Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. And today I'm recording at the Riverside Theatre in Parramatta. We're doing this special theatre version of the podcast to celebrate the launch of my latest book, Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt, which is, of course, the book based on this podcast. It features 27 tales I've told to you over the last year, as well as additional fun facts, some recipes and other bits and pieces. So please, if you haven't already, rush out and buy it now. Or rush to your nearest computer and buy it from an online seller. Buying the book is a great way to support the show. And it's an enormous book, so even if you don't read it, it will be handy to have. You can use it as a blunt instrument to fight off any home invaders. Or you could hollow out the insides and use it as a place to hide your candy. I don't mind, so long as you buy the book. That's the best way to keep kicking my can down the road. Okay, enough of all that. You're here for a story, so let's get on with it. Today's story is Romulus and Remus, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Nanny Piggins, said Michael, does your family think it's strange that you've become a nanny? After all, you were the world's greatest flying pig. Don't they think you're odd? Well, I don't spend that much time thinking about what other people think of me, said Nanny Piggins. Certainly not my sisters. That After all, they are all evil or despicable or both. Besides... I'm not the first person in the family to work in childcare. You're not, asked Samantha. Oh no, said Nanny Piggins. Back in the ancient Roman story days, I had a great aunt called Sheila Piggins. And she was a nanny, asked Derek. Oh yes, not voluntarily, but she did wind up with the job. In fact, she was quite famous for it. A famous nanny, exclaimed Derek. Why is that so hard to believe, asked Nanny Piggins. I am a nanny and I'm famous. Derek had to concede this was 100% correct. But you're an impossibly glamorous, internationally renowned circus star, said Michael. How did your Aunt Sheila become famous for being a nanny thousands of years ago? Oh, said Nanny Piggins, because the boys she raised ended up becoming property developers. And that was a big deal, asked Samantha. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins, because the property they developed was a boggy swamp on the bank of the River Tiber. And the property they developed it into was the city of Rome, which went on to become the Roman Empire, which spread bureaucratic government, a standardized legal system, indoor plumbing, transcontinental road networks, the invention of concrete, the 365-day calendar, and an obsession with taking the bath across all of Europe and the Middle East. You're going to have to tell us the whole story, said Michael. Then we'll need to make popcorn and chock-top ice cream, said Nanny Piggins, because it's an epic tale so good it's better than any movie. So that's what they did. Once their snacks were assembled, they snuggled in around Nanny Piggins on the couch, and she began her tale. As I said, it started about two and a half thousand years ago in Italy. 
Not that it was called Italy back then, because countries hadn't been invented yet. My aunt Sheila was a big believer in the importance of a healthy skincare regime. So she liked to roll in mud for six to eight hours every day. Wow, that's a lot, said Samantha. Well, she had beautiful, flawless complexion, said Nanny Piggins. It was totally worth it. The Tiber was a particularly muddy river. When the tide was low, there were lovely, long, muddy banks for her to roll and frolic in. So she was a very happy and very beautiful pig. But one day, as she was rolling through the gloriously silky smooth mud, letting it slosh all over her body while squealing, wee all the way down the bank, she heard the most dreadful noise. <gasps> was it a chainsaw? asked Boris. I hate hearing a chainsaw. They're so loud. It's impossible to take a nap, especially when you think of the poor tree it's cutting up. Yes, I know, dear, said Nanny Piggins, but remember this was 2,000 years ago. The chainsaw had not been invented yet. Oh, those ancient Romans were so lucky, said Boris. Yes, said Nanny Piggins, although this noise was also loud and unpleasant. It was a dreadful, squawking, squealing, wailing sound. <gasps> not bagpipes, said Boris. Oh, to think of all those poor Scottish people forced to endure bagpipes at so many social functions. No, this sound was even worse than bagpipes, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, I know, said Boris. The worst sound of all. The sound of a pen scratching words onto paper as a ballet critic writes down really mean, nasty things about a young bear's first ballet. No, it was even worse than that, said Nanny Piggins. It was a sound so horrible, it made it impossible for poor Sheila to relax and enjoy her mud. So she waded back up the bank, which wasn't easy in thigh-high mud, to tell whoever was making the racket to pipe down. But when she looked about, Sheila couldn't see anyone. There wasn't much on the riverbank, just a lot of reeds. She should have been able to see if a person was standing there. The loud, horrible, dreadful noise was unrelenting, though, so Aunt Sheila started walking towards the sound. It got louder and louder. Fortunately, Sheila had some chocolate cake in her swimsuit pocket, so she was able to put a wad of cake into each ear to block out some of the noise. Her swimsuit had pockets, asked Samantha. Of course, said Nanny Piggins. I've never seen a swimsuit with pockets, said Samantha. Yes, that's because you're a human, dear, said Nanny Piggins. Humans are not as advanced as pigs when it comes to fashion. Now that Sheila was wearing ear protection, she was able to approach the ear-splitting noise safely. She realised the noise was coming from a particularly thick clump of reeds. She waded over to them, pushed the reeds aside, and saw right there in the middle... <gasps> a hyena singing opera, guessed Boris. No, Boris, you know that some hyenas have perfectly lovely singing voices, chided Nanny Piggins. Ugh, only if you like German opera, said Boris. They butcher the Italian pieces. Well, this was worse than that, said Nanny Piggins. When Sheila pushed the reeds aside, she saw two squalling babies. Baby what's our Samantha? Baby humans, said Nanny Piggins. No way, said Michael. It's true, said Nanny Piggins. But what were they doing in the reeds, asked Michael. They had been abandoned, said Nanny Piggins. That's awful, said Boris. I know, said Nanny Piggins. Who would do such a thing? No one likes listening to a baby cry, but you can stick cake in your ears. Or give the babies a hug, suggested Samantha. 
Yes, they should have given the babies a bear hug. They should have called in a bear. We're experts at hugging. I'm sure a good, comforting hug from a bear would have cheered the babies up. Of course it would, said Nanny Piggins. But the person who abandoned the babies did not want them to be cheered up. He did not want them to be at all. (gasps) What a rotter, said Boris. Who was this dastardly fiend? I wish I could go back in time and tell him off. It was the boy's great uncle, said Nanny Piggins. What, said Derek? Why would he do something like that? Because he wanted to be king, said Nanny Piggins. You see, the boy's grandfather was King Numitor, and King Numitor had a brother called Amuleus. Amuleus was very wicked and very greedy. He overthrew King Numitor, put him in the dungeon, took his crown, and made himself king. What a meanie, said Michael. Yes, it was all dreadfully upsetting for King Numitor, but he did have a daughter. She was called Rhea, and she was very beautiful. Well, that's nice, said Samantha. Yes, but as is so often the case with incredibly beautiful women in the ancient story days, one of the gods fell in love with her. Oh, which one, said Samantha? Not Zeus. He was a rotter. No, not Zeus, said Nanny Piggins. He was an ancient Greek god. This was ancient Rome. Their most athletic, bravest, best-looking god was Mars. You mean like Mars the planet, asked Michael. And wasn't March the month named after Mars too, asked Derek. Yes, the planet and the month were both named after him, but that's nothing. Mars, the Roman god of war, was so impressive, he was given the greatest name in honour of all. They named after him the Mars Bar. (laughs) For those of you listening at home, I have bribed the audience by giving most of them Mars Bars. Wow, said Boris. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. So Mars fell in love with Rhea. Rhea fell in love with Mars and they had twin sons, Romulus and Remus. This really annoyed wicked Uncle Amuleus. When your nephews have Mars, god of war, as their dad, you just know everyone will prefer them. Wicked Uncle Amuleus knew if he let the boys grow up, they'd inherit their father's strength and wisdom and power. So he didn't want to let them grow up. This uncle is the worst person I've ever heard of, said Boris. Doesn't he know how cute babies are and how good they smell and how they've all got itty-bitty fingers and itty-bitty toes that are just gorgeous? He didn't care about any of that. Not one bit, said Nanny Piggins. He wanted them gone. So when Rhea was taking a nap, wicked Uncle Amuleus ordered his soldiers to steal the baby boys, take them down to the river and leave them in the water. Luckily for the boys, the Tiber is a tidal river and the soldiers got there at low tide, so the banks were all mud flats. They'd have to walk through hundreds of metres of mud to get to the water. Now the boys were big, healthy babies and the soldiers were tired of carrying them. Plus, the soldiers had lovely new sandals on. Mud is good for the skin, but it's not good for new shoes. They didn't want to ruin them. So the lazy, fashion-conscious soldiers left the babies in a patch of reeds. They figured the tide would rise and would all be the same eventually. Then they walked back to their barracks. Now, as you know, babies are not good conversationalists. Romulus and Remus soon grew tired of lying on the muddy riverbank, so they spoke out in the only way they knew how. They started to cry. And that's how my dear Aunt Sheila found them. She looked at the two poor helpless babies squalling and instinct kicked in. She remembered how her own mother had looked after her and her identical 14 uplet sisters in the pigsty where she was raised. Seeing the babies there, surrounded by the mud, 
reminded her of those good times. So she picked up the babies, carried them back to her cave and raised them as her own. But how did she know how to look after babies, asked Michael. They're pretty different to pigs. Oh, she just raised the babies as if they were pigs, said Nanny Piggins, which was good news for the boys because Sheila trained them to be as athletic, acrobatic, good at baking, puzzle solving, ironing shirts, fire breathing, wrestling, lion taming, trapeze flying, whistling, snake charming and tightrope walking as an average pig. So far better than any human. By the time the boys were 18, they were brilliant, strong, athletic, and could bake a deliciously light and fluffy chocolate souffle so good it could make a grown pig cry. Unfortunately, Sheila wasn't able to stamp out all of Romulus and Remus's human instincts, so they did also like fighting. They particularly liked fighting for heroic causes to defeat the wicked and champion the weak. Well, surely that's a good thing, said Michael. In theory, I suppose, said Nanny Piggins, but in practice, that sort of thing usually ends up being tedious for everyone involved, which is exactly what happened. Remus got in a fight with a neighbouring tribe and was captured and thrown in the king's dungeon. Not the wicked king their uncle, asked Samantha, that exact one. So former King Numitor suddenly found he had a roommate, or rather a dungeon mate, his own grandson. Wicked Uncle Amuleus quickly began to suspect who he had in his cells. Remus looked a lot like his father. He was big, muscly, and being part god, he glowed in the dark. He glowed, asked Michael. Oh yes, said Nanny Piggins, like a glow stick or a glow worm, only bigger. Do all gods do that, asked Derek. Of course, said Nanny Piggins, that's what a halo is. It's a nightlight gods use for reading in bed. If you ever meet anyone whose head has a circular nightlight floating above it, there's a good chance there's a god somewhere in their family tree. Wicked Uncle Amuleus was annoyed. It would be much harder abandoning Remus in a river now. He was an adult, so he could probably swim. He had to think of another way to get rid of the boy. But Wicked Uncle Amuleus never got a chance, because at that moment, Romulus came smashing in through the castle wall. How? asked Derek. Cousin Sheila had got so angry that her son had been captured, she invented the cannon, and Romulus became the first ever human cannonball. (laughs) She blasted herself in right behind him as well. You naughty, naughty man, accused Sheila. It's bad enough you abandoned two babies in a river, and with no sunscreen to protect them, you could have at least rolled them in some mud. But now you've captured one of them back. Well, you don't get to take them back. They're my sons now. But you're just a pig, said the king. You'll just be a bruised bottom on the end of my trotter in a moment when I give you a good hard kick. She launched herself at wicked Uncle Amulius. Mom, you promised me I could punish Uncle, complained Romulus. Well, I'd never met him, said Sheila, as she wrestled the king to the ground. I didn't realise how annoying he would be. It's impossible to resist punishing him myself. She stopped talking then so she could use her mouth to give the wicked uncle a good hard bite on the shin. By the end of the day, wicked Uncle Amuleus had been sent packing and good King Numitor had been reinstalled as king. Boys, how can I ever thank you, said good King Numitor. You must stay here and help me lead our people. Oh no, said Sheila, they can't stay here. Why not, said good King Numitor. It's the finest castle in all the land. Well, it's fine as far as castles go, conceded Sheila, but there's no mud. 
Boys need mud. It's good for the skin and good for the soul. We shall go forth and found our own city, said Romulus. We shall raise a people who are good, hard-working and noble, and who know the importance of rolling in mud at least three times a day, added Remus. So Romulus and Remus left their grandfather's castle and returned to the riverbank where Sheila had first found them, and there they founded the city of Rome. Oh, wonderful, said Samantha. Then they had a fight about which hill they were going to build it on. They agreed to settle the fight with competitive bird watching. Romulus won the bird watching. Remus threw a tantrum. They got in another fight and Romulus killed Remus. The end. Whoa, that's a terrible ending, said Boris. Yes, agreed Nanny Piggins. That's because it's history and history is ruined by being based on reality. But on the bright side, it did mean that the city was called Rome, which is short and catchy. If it had been called Rome and Reem, the Roman Empire might never have taken off. Brandon is so important. The end time for bed. But Nanny Piggins said Derek, when we were taught about Romulus and Remus at school, our teacher said the legend was that they were raised by a wolf, not a pig. There are statues all over Rome of two babies with a wolf. Oh, please, said Nanny Piggins. Wolves are lovely, they're very good at running and howling, but they eat grandmothers. Everyone who's ever read Little Red Riding Hood knows that, so they'd hardly make an ideal babysitter. No, if you're going to found the world's most powerful empire, early childhood education is so important. Those little babies never would have succeeded if they hadn't had the enormous advantage of being raised by a pig. And that is the end of the story, so we'll leave it there. Until next time, from all of us here at the Riverside Theatre, goodbye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that live show. It was so much fun to do. It was the first ever live proper show in a theatre with this podcast. So it was a, a big experiment and it went so well. So thanks to everyone who came along. Now, if you would like to come to a live show, I am doing two more shows. Uh, one this weekend on the 9th of September at the Belco Art Centre at 2pm and another one on the 2nd of November uh, at the Pump House Theatre in Auckland, New Zealand at 6pm. So come along. If you want to get tickets, there'll be a a link in the show notes or you can go to my website, raspratt.com. On the banner at the top, there's a tab for live shows and you can click on that and see the live podcast shows and soon the Christmas shows that are coming up. Okay, that's it for now. Back to the theme music. (laughs) 